on this All Saints Sunday, I'm really pleased to have three members of St. James's as our preachers for the day. All three are going to share about a saint from their life. Uh, and in some ways, what that saint sh shows us about what it is to be a leader um, in these days as we're thinking about uh, what a good leader is um, as we prepare to vote uh, or follow a leader or um, or not, depending on where you're at. Um, so with that, uh, I'm going to invite Michelle to share first about the saint she's thinking about today. Hello, St. James family. Uh, today, I am celebrating the buoyant life of my aunt and godmother, Ruth Virginia Marshall. She was an unsung community leader with a keen devotion to family, friends, community, a love of history and books and abiding Christian faith. Ruth was a lifelong resident of Central Square, Cambridge. She was born the third child and oldest daughter of John Beresford Marshall and Ruth Etta Woods Marshall and lived in the same house on Franklin Street until the last five years of her life when she moved into senior housing across the street. She attended Cambridge Public Schools, graduating from Cambridge Ringe and Latin School in 1945. And remarkably for the daughter, but by that time her, her father had died. Her mother was a single parent. Um, they were very poor. And remarkably, she then attended uh, Radcliffe College, uh, graduating in 1949. She, because of their poverty, and also because of racist policies that did not allow black women to live in the dorms, she lived at home and commuted um, uh, to, to Harvard Square on her blue bicycle, which she gifted me when I was a child. And uh, this is a picture of her on her graduation. Oh, can you see it? Yeah. Okay. She was, um, she spent her entire working life as a reference librarian for the Boston Public Library. Her and her nieces and nephews, and me particular, <laughs> fondly remember her assistance with research for high school term papers. Her knowledge of Boston history was legendary, regaling family and friends with intimate details about incidents such as the tragic Boston molasses flood of 1915. <laughs> her interest in archiving history carried over into her family and community life. She enthusiastically documented all family events with her photographer, was active in the Cambridge African-American Heritage Alliance after retirement and was the church historian for St. Peter's Episcopal Church in Central Square for many years. Ruth was truly a pillar of St. Peter's Church. She was baptized and confirmed there. She served as Sunday school superintendent. She sang in the choir from her teens to late adult life. And she was editor of the newsletter, St. Peter's Patter, and was the pledge collector and clerk for the vestry. She was also a fixture known to all in Central Square, traveling by foot between St. Peter's, the post office and local shops every day. And um, a very fond memory I have of her was just final days before her final illness. 
She attended a peace rally and ecumenical service for the Boston Marathon bombing victims mm. on the steps of Cambridge City Hall. That is my saint, Ruth Marshall. I'd like to now um, hand it over to Becky. Thank you, Michelle, and hello, St. James family. I want to tell you about my grandmother, Grace Montgomery. My mom's mother, Grandmommy, we always called her, served others her entire life. As a young woman, she taught evening classes to young men working at the local mill so they could finish their high school diplomas, and during the day, she taught adults to read and write. Later, Grandmommy worked as a social worker in addition to raising and caring for three children. She retired young in order to care for my grandfather who had developed serious heart disease. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away young. After his passing, Grandmommy focused her serving others energy on social justice activities and became quite the leader in her community. She was a member of the Board of Elders for her church and chaired the Church and Society Committee for six years. She was also very involved in peace walks and rallies and was a member of the Council of Churches and Synagogues Peace Task Force. This is Grandmommy from a newspaper announcement about a peace rally she had helped to organize. Grandmommy was my radical grandmother who had bumper stickers declaring no nukes and support for the solidarity movement in Poland and who went to protest, which I thought was very cool when I was in my teens. One of the most memorable ways she carried out her commitment to social justice and peace was by being a tax protester for 18 years. For those 18 years, she sent the portion of her income tax that would go to the military to the Quaker Peace Fund, which was then invested in peace activities. The IRS, of course, fined her and levied her bank account, but she kept at it, sending the message that she was not interested in supporting more. This is a lesson in leading by standing strong in one's beliefs and acting on those beliefs, even if there's a cost to acting. My grandmother also made sure her idealism was tempered with pragmatism. She let her bank know she was a tax protester, hired an accountant to do her taxes to ensure it was all documented properly. She always sent a letter and a copy of the check she wrote to the peace fund with her taxes. A local lawyer offered to defend her in court if needed. She knew she was going to be antagonizing the IRS and knew her ideals weren't going to be enough. There had to be a plan in place to deal with the fallout of her actions. Being a visionary and having strong ideals in general is great, but one cannot lead without also having a plan. Eventually, my grandmother stopped being a tax protester. She didn't stop because she changed her mind or because she th thought it wasn't worth doing or it wasn't going to work. She stopped when her protests could potentially harm others. In her case, she was concerned about complications with her estate when she passed away. Obviously, a complicated estate or inconvincing family often does not constitute enough harm to stop taking a specific action. However, when my grandmother's choice to stop being a tax protester because of potential harm to others teaches me is that a leader recognizes that harm prevention is paramount and that our actions on behalf of others must always be grounded in serving others, not our own egos. It is far too easy to get caught up in our own ideals and visions of helping those who are vulnerable and then cause harm to those we claim we want to help. For example, we must always be examining our ideals and actions to ensure that we have not fallen into the trap of seeing ourselves as a savior, refusing to listen to those we claim to serve because we are the expert and know exactly what sort of help they need except the help we bring is not helpful and is in fact harmful. As a second example, this week I got into a Facebook debate with someone who will not vote in the presidential election because in their opinion, there is no truly progressive candidate on the ballot. This person is progressively pure, but I wish they were instead 
pragmatically progressive like my grandmother. How easy it is to get so fixated on our ideals and visions that we stop seeing the impact of our actions or inactions have on others. Society often teaches that leaders are strong, i.e. stubborn, and make the hard calls, i.e. refuse to compromise. That image of a leader seems to be a lot more about a strong ego than strong leadership. I much prefer a leader like my grandmother who put her ideals into action, stood by her convictions, but did not make those convictions about her ego and made sure actions coming from her convictions did not cause harm. Steve? Okay, Becky, thank you. I'm going to speak today about my friend, very much living, uh, St. Alan of Somerville, and I'm gonna call him, at least just for today, the patron saint of engagement. Um, the thing about saints, I think, is that they're first and foremost people, and they're people with stories and lessons we can relate to, as we've been hearing. And uh, in this case, my friend Alan is a longtime friend, and uh, he's, he's not saintly in the sense of when he walks by, you get the fresh scent of, you know, Glade saint scent, but um, he does sort of seem to leave a trail of leaving the world a little bit better wherever he goes. And uh, just for example, um, many years ago it was, uh, nobody around here has any yards and that lot could become a garden. And so now there's a community garden where there didn't used to be one and people can grow stuff. Um, he wrote me into recycling about three decades ago and he said, we ought to be able to do something with all these newspapers. And so he said, put on an orange vest and we'll go down to the transfer station and we'll take stuff out of people's cars. And you know, these are where the seeds of things were, were planted. Um, and there's a good one for people who live in town, uh, the bicycle path in Somerville. Um, it's great, it comes all the way from the burbs and it comes down through Davis Square and it goes through Davis Square and then it stops dead. And you know that North Station is just on the other side of some patch of wilderness. So uh, Alan got involved and it's going to happen. It, you know, we look at that and say, why doesn't it go through? Well, it's going to go through. Um, and I was thinking about what is it that, wh what's the story uh, that he could tell? What is, what's the quality underneath all of this? And I was thinking about, it's just a little tiny turn from the ways I'll speak for myself, the way I react when I see something like, when I get frustrated with something like, why doesn't that bike path grow through? Um, I might go to helplessness and say, well, you can't fight city hall. Um, or excitement or inspiration about a garden. Um, you know, like if you get excited, sure, but where's the initiative? Or if you get angry about something, like it really shouldn't be this way. Sometimes we go to, I wanna get revenge on them, but there are other things to do. And what I came to is uh, the example my friend Alan sets is that of engagement. And he's not like a engaged like a politician or you won't see him quoted in the newspaper like a well-known community activist. He just does stuff that aligns with his life and he actually does it. And um, it just, you know, in his case, the manifestations are often very concrete manifestations because he likes to build stuff and see stuff that lasts. But uh, it can certainly be other than concrete. Um, it's, you know, so what I take away from St. Alan of Somerville, the patron state of engagement is, uh, it's just a, uh, 
a slightly special habit of mind or spirit that says when you get when you get a notion or you get a, a, an emotion or reaction to some situation, uh, is there something more creative to do with this than complacency or frustration or anger or resignation or just you know generally being resigned? And the answer is yes, you can align with your life, do the things that come naturally to you, concrete or otherwise. And that's essentially, that's his lesson for me and for us as far as I've communicated it. Um, engagement, that's my word for today. It's one step away from leadership, I guess, but it's, it fits the theme. Thanks y'all. And I guess back to you, Matt. Thank you all very much.